You are listening to Creating Phenomenal for Your Life, episode number 59, entitled. This is Creating Phenomenal for Your Life. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a lover of learning, a life and weight loss coach, and a family medicine doctor. This podcast is about mindset. What contributes to a life that thrives versus one that is stuck? We'll talk about many things, some related to coaching, some related to health, and some related to your questions, thoughts, and prompts. The ultimate goal of this podcast is to celebrate where we're at and give form to where we're going in our perfectly imperfect journey to a phenomenal life and give high fives along the way. Thanks for being here. Welcome back. Here we are. We are rounding the bend to the end of the month, but really more importantly, to the start of high school and college football. Yep, it's my last year. You know he's a senior, our last year of high school football, and it's looking to be good, like one of the most fulfilling. I'm excited to see the magic of what the team creates on the field this year, with almost all the same players as last year. What else? I've been publicizing the 80s dance like crazy, at least what I think is like crazy, over-publicizing it in my mind. And yet I still come across people who haven't seen it, haven't heard about it, haven't considered attending. Like, what? How could you not attend? What are you thinking? (laughs) It's been a fascinating and joyful adventure. Each time the joy dims, or the energy changes, it's a cue to rethink it, rethink where things are at, where my mind is stuck, and rethink what's possible. It's going to be perfectly imperfect and epic, and it's only two weeks away. Here's some context for today's topic. This week I attended an event to grow my faith and grow community fellowship, and as part of it we gathered into small groups to answer questions really simple questions. And one revolved around entitlement. Here it is. How does it show up in your life? Crickets. I'm not entitled. I really don't have anything to say or to add. I'm faithful, spiritual, giving. Yeah, that lasted about two minutes. And then I started to get uncomfortable, kind of fidgety, kind of restless, trying to hear what others were saying when it hits me. I have entitled thinking and it comes up often. I show up as entitled at times. I embody entitlement at times. And it's not cute and it's not effective. Not helpful in growing a life, especially growing a life that includes faith. I was uncomfortably disrupted by this prompt and still am a little uncomfortable. Because entitled, it feels dirty. It's like a curse word. Before this moment, if you wanted to get under my skin, just suggest that I may be acting entitled. It would have provoked a reaction. One that was far greater than necessary, I'm sure. Which reminds me, early on in our marriage, I yelled at Craig. I don't yell by nature. Back then, I don't think I yelled much. We were in the kitchen, having a conversation, There was some conflict, and he gently pointed out that I was shutting down. He was showing me what was happening, and I yelled at him. You don't know me. Yep, for everyone to hear. He exactly knew me. 
and still does. And at that time, I was probably being entitled. You don't know me. (laughs) It still makes me laugh. Before going any further, let's look at the definition of entitled. Believing oneself to be inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. That doesn't sound so bad. Like who doesn't want to stand out or receive more? To be in a place where we think we've earned more. Except this exactly holds me back. And it may be holding you back as well. Like you may want to just come up and yell at me. You don't know me by the end of this episode. It's okay. I've been there too. (laughs) It's subtle, sneaky, and it's stealing our power and our future potential without us even realizing it. Because it's so easy to hold on to. I'm good. I work hard. I'm considerate. I'm not entitled. There's a word in my vocabulary that really draws out entitled thinking. Should. Do you use this word? It's like another dirty word in my mind because I can't think of anything positive that follows should. Should really means shame because it points out what we're not what we don't have but should, what we fail to do but should have. I could keep going, but uh, I think you get the point. And now I can see that it's really a portal to the entitled thinking and the entitled behavior. Here's an example. This should be so easy. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? I have a right for something to be easy. Why isn't the world listening? Like seriously, world, wake up. This should be easy. And then as a high achiever, let's just bring some shame into the mix, why don't we? Really bring it home. There must be something wrong with me because it's not easy. Yep, I'm serving up some entitled with a side of shame. Here's some more. This computer should work. They should just do their job. I shouldn't have to fill in the blank. I shouldn't have to clean up after you. I shouldn't have to do your job. I shouldn't have to. Yeah, you probably have some to add to. Because I'm entitled to a computer that works all the time. I'm entitled to have people do the job that I want or need them to do at that moment, right then. Whether it's my work environment or whether I'm at Starbucks I'm entitled to only do what I want to do. There are jobs beneath me. Entitled thinking. It is all about catching on to the language in your brain, my friends. To see the language that keeps you stuck. To see it, to hear it, to feel it. This is the language that keeps me stuck and I know that I'm not alone. Why does it even matter? Because everything in our lives starts with a thought. Look at what I create from this. This should be easy. I already mentioned shame. How about frustration? Or anger? Or hostility? And when's the last time you had a positive result when you started with those emotions? Shame? Frustration? Anger? When's the last time you told yourself this should be easy and completed a task on time at an acceptable level? Or how about the last time you told yourself that and then learned something new? Thought it should be easy and then went on to be successful. Lose weight. Create a new job. Make up with somebody you love. 
difficult. Even more difficult is to feel good about it. I'd love to hear success stories that started from a place of should be easy. Because I imagine that it took a lot of grit, a lot of effort to turn that around. And there were probably several points along the way before it became a positive experience. Kind of like trying to turn a battleship 180 degrees. It matters because we are shaping our world, defining it, creating it, refining it, all based on our thinking. That's our starting point, always. And when I start with how it should be in my brain, I'm going to be starting at a deficit. I'm going to be blocking the moment and resisting it and even fighting it because I've already locked in the frustration or anger or hostility or maybe shame. Let's use another example, and high achievers love this one. You should have known. That one freaks us out, right? It even sounds believable. I should have. They're right. There's something about being a high achiever and overachiever. It's like a, along with it comes this belief system that because we have the capacity to understand a lot or do all kinds of things, that we really should know everything. Whether it's obvious or not, complex or simple, it leads us to agree, yeah, I, I should know that too. It really discounts what we do know. It's really inherently flawed thinking on my part. No, I should not know everything. I should not expect that of myself or others. It's just unfair. We cannot know everything. We cannot put every piece perfectly into the puzzle of life. Nothing works that way as a human. We are limited by the number of experiences we have. We're limited by the number of days in our life or the number of minutes in our day. We can only have so much. We're also limited by our minds. We've got this intentional high-functioning part of our mind and this primitive, reflexive, and fearful part. So I've learned to really check myself when should comes up to question, why is this coming up? Do I really believe that I should? Is this really true? And then to see what I'm feeling, what I'm creating from that or with that. See if I start agreeing with others. And do I start putting myself down? Do I work from a place of deficit and shame and try to make up for what I'm not and should be? Do I try to appear differently or better in other people's eyes? Checking myself also means questioning. Why should I be different than anyone else? Everyone's computer breaks down or is inadequate at times. Everyone has car problems. Every child has issues. Every spouse yells, you don't know me. Okay, maybe not that one. <laughs> because my life is where it's at today, that doesn't entitle me to anything different about the future. There are more doors open, sure. I'm not entitled to them. And thinking that I am, even if I have lots of good reasons for it to be true, it's just not going to create the experience I want. It's going to keep me from gratitude. And that's really concerning. 
On the other side of gratitude is joy. And that's joy the feeling, not joy the toddler I talked about a few episodes ago. Entitled thinking keeps me from connection because it's so easy to fall into that trap of others should be reaching out to me. They should be taking the initiative. They should be competent to do their jobs. All it does is create distance and it puts the responsibility for how I feel on everyone else. They are now responsible to create my phenomenal life and they're not doing it. Hmm. So giving others my power, becoming reliant on them to fix the problem because it's not me, I'm better than this. It doesn't inspire others to reach out or help or change. Not even a little bit. And finally, entitled thinking, it just keeps me in judgment. Judging myself to be better, judging others to be inferior, inadequate, incompetent, whatever. So there you have it, entitled thinking, judgment, powerlessness, disconnected, disdain rather than gratitude. Nope, I don't have entitled thinking, except I do. And the more I pay attention, the more I can see it and cover it, name it. It's easy to sit back and say, I do enough, I offer enough, I deserve more, I deserve better, as we've gone through in this episode. But you probably have a sense of where those roads lead. This episode is to show you some of the roads of your mind, because I'm not the only one. It's part of the human experience to have these roads we all do. And some of the roads we travel down often and knowingly, and some we don't realize until we are in the midst of mind chaos and drama. So how does entitled thinking show up in your life? There's a little pressure in this question because I'm not asking yes or no, does it? I'm assuming the answer is yes, you're human, entitled thinking is there. My only question is how does it show up? What are the words, what are the cues to its presence? Is it a word or a phrase? Is it the way you feel? Is it a dynamic? What is it for you? And when it shows up, what road does it take you on? Catch on to the language of your mind, the emotion that it creates, and the opportunities that it opens up or shuts down. And I say that with a smile, knowing that when we listen to the entitled thinking and when we act on it, It opens up opportunities to have regret, and sometimes a large amount of it. You, knowing you, knowing how you think, what you think about, what you listen to, what you choose to ignore, what you see as a mind lie or a mind distortion, what you allow, as in allowing yourself to be uncomfortable for the right reasons, All of this is what either will create or destroy the power you have in your own life. Power to do amazing things. To experience joy at any moment because you're not blocking it. Even during the hardest times of life. Still being able to unwrap and uncover and see things for how they are and see the beauty in it. It gives you so much power to serve others in an impactful way. Power to attract your tribe, 
and stand out from the crowd without apology. To stand up for your beliefs and to protect the vulnerable, which starts with seeing them, not allowing disconnection, stopping the judgment, stopping the should, or maybe even redefining the should. I should be exactly at this place in this time of my life. I should be struggling with this. I should feel like my life is just beginning and that I have doubt and fear and uncertainty even though I'm 30 or 40 or 80. Finding the ways to outsmart your mind, kind of like brain hacks. Catch on to the language. So last night our son got home after a scrimmage. It was after midnight. My bedtime, generally 9 p.m. And I dozed and answered a call and messaged with him a few times. And the dogs needed to go out. And then they woke up early and they wanted attention. And this morning, not feeling my best. And I refused to be a victim. Last night was exactly how it was supposed to be. Today may drag, I may be tired, and it doesn't matter. I'm going to create joy, spend as much energy as I can in a positive way, and let go of should. And it turned out, the day was amazing. Sorting through entitled thinking, cleaning up entitled thinking, means that you can stop living it and stop reproducing it. It allows you to dream and pursue that dream with clarity. You'll notice I've not said the word easy because it's not. It won't be. That's not the life you want. You want a life of meaning and purpose and it's trial and error. It's learning, 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 some winning and a ton of growth. So catch on to yourself, my friends. Creating the life that you love means having very little tolerance for thoughts that don't serve you well. It means that when those thoughts show up because they will, You are recognizing them. You are feeling whatever it is that they're creating. You're learning to stop listening. You're deciding that those thoughts are no longer useful or worthy of your time. And then you're filling in that space with intentional thoughts that bring in more value and more good. It doesn't make life 100% amazing. It's up and down. Everyone is up and down. It exactly means that you learn and you refine how to fuel your way up and how to manage your way down so that instead of a crash landing, it is a controlled descent, a much different experience. And that is what creates a phenomenal life available to you, no matter where you are in the spectrum, just starting on your way or experiencing it. It's not easy, but it is the key to your own personal treasures, and that includes an abundance of joy. Wishing you all my best, sending you a high five, and I will see you next time. Ciao. Are you ready for coaching? Ready for more in your life? Want to see what's possible? Then message me at Facebook, Dina George MD Coaching. I look forward to hearing from you.